Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Jajalo. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the Carolina's dainty and delicate flower of comedy. It's Robin Scott! Yay! Robin Scott! Hi! <laughs> What's going on? How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Today? I I'm very well. Uh, let's go ahead and address uh, some things that we're doing. This is our first remote show. Right. I am not recording from the CR Pod Studios at my house. <laughs> we're actually meeting uh, in my my nine to five, my office downtown. So yep. if listeners are, oh, it kind of sounds different. That's why it's the the room has changed, uh, the setup has changed a little bit. Uh, still same great show. So that addresses that. Um, if you're noticing my voice sounding a little raspy, I went to a wrestling event over the weekend (laughs) and screamed my brains out, which of course was, uh, the perfect thing to do two days before recording an audio podcast. (laughs) Um, you're stand-up comedian. One of the first, uh, one of the first folks I met when I started. Yeah, I think it was. Which was... Five, five years ago? Five years ago, God almighty. Yeah, because I got started... I'm six uh, years in right now myself. So. Okay, I think you were at it a little bit before I got there, so I'm probably a year behind you, roughly. Um, but you hit that scene running. Thank you, you. That's incredibly sweet of you to say. You still have my favorite joke. Oh, which one? Oh, that... The Tom Brady joke. The Tom Brady joke. <laughs> oh, yes. That... That's, look, But that's, it's visual. It will it not is. work without visual. It's, yeah, very, very true. Yeah, I, that's, I love that closer. I am, I, like, most of my materials just kind of like, okay, I get it, and I, I see what I was doing there. I really am a big, a big fan of my own closer. But that is, <laughs> you should be, it is perfection. Oh, it thank really you. Is. But you consistently, you, you're one of the, you're one of the folks who is consistently grinding it out. There's a lot of open micers who are regular open micers. Right. And then there's the folks that we know who've bounced to Atlanta, out to LA or New York. Trying to make the grind, right? Trying it, yeah. And then you're still centered uh, southeast, yeah. grinding, working, doing the work. For the most part, COVID, of course, put a, put us all in the back burner. Right. We're all finally seeing some normalcy again. I mean, I know that's teetering. I've lost several comedy festivals this year for that reason, oh, for COVID uprising numbers. But yeah. 
Um, and it's not just an easy thing to just get into a festival. No, it's not. One, it costs you money because you're yeah. paying an application fee. You're paying the judges to spend time to watch your five to ten minute video of a hundred people. Yeah. So it takes time for them to look through, and it's hard enough getting a good video as a comedian. Yeah. We have our best sets are never recorded. No. Nope. We all know that. Yeah. The best room is never recorded. The moment we got a camera on us, either we get gun shy or. Bad audience. The audience, uh, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, you flub you know, a line. And, well, and we as comedians, you know, there's still that, it's not the audience, but we all know that there are audiences that just, they pay entry fees, but they came not to laugh for some reason. Yeah, yeah, so, it happens. It happens. It really does. Yeah, so. and it's, uh, but I saw that you have a bit of news, yet you're going to be uh, tentatively. Tentatively. Fingers <laughs> crossed, knocking on wood. Doing a, a fairly big show. What who's who um, are you working with? I was actually going to get to open for Chris Catan. Uh, the show has been delayed to December at this point, so it was at the end of August in Maryville, Tennessee. Nice. Uh, as part of his book tour, he's doing going out promoting his book, doing some oh, time. Cool. And some of the lucky ones around here, uh, Shelly Belly, which is yeah. currently of TikTok fame and Netflix fame. She's a local comedian. Nice. She was on uh, one of the spots open for him also. So it's kind of nice seeing a lot of us Southeast girls get the chance. Spread our wings a little bit. And, yeah. You know, get out of just the local grind. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank that's you. A, That's very uh, hard-earned, well-deserved. Thank you. Yes. I'm super happy for you. Please don't forget me when... <laughs> I'm already trying to get you into my show. Oh, yes, please, <laughs> please. Uh, you know, uh, when COVID initially first hit and um, everything got shut down, I was just kind of like, oh, well, a chance to write, a chance to start up the podcast, whatever it is. Uh, comedy got back in and I was like, okay, let's start going back to the rooms. And then it seemed to be in full swing. And hey, Todd, you want to host the, the Christmas show? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. And that's where I caught COVID. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Did I give it to you? You were Carrie. I'm pretty sure it was Carrie, though. Cause I didn't know it was Carrie. I mean, I, get, I hugged you. I hugged Mo. Yeah. I hugged Carrie. Um, the matter of fact, the girl I went to see, to hang out with, that yeah. used to be a man, co-manager with me, yeah. she's got it right now, so I kind of uh, picked at her. But yeah, so I started 2020 off with COVID. Um, I'm finally vaccinated and all that good stuff. Yay. Go get vaccinated, people. Yep. Don't be dumb. It's logical. It's very logical. Yeah, well, it's because I bounced back about two or three weeks, which seemed to be kind of the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, the wife had a real hard time coming back from it. I'm still suffering from some of the brain fog at times. Really? So, yeah. I, I will have moments where I'm already squirrely brain. I mean, <laughs> I know that. Said every but, comedian ever. <laughs> right. But this was like giving the squirrel crack. <laughs> it's like some oh, moments. Wow. I, I didn't deal with the loss of taste or smell. For me, it was the body aches, migraines, and the delirium. I had I lost four days. Whoa! Uh, yeah, it was just I was in and out of lucidity. The only time I was lucid was about four hours a day during like the burning up moments of fever. Yeah, that's the only time I was lucid during about a four day stretch. So. Jeez, I had I you know from because I've heard a few people's story, not unlike your own, yeah. where you know as. As bad as I have it, I'm like, I really didn't have it all that bad. Same, same. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I had one day of nausea. And I, because I got it, my tests came back Christmas Eve. Yeah, because that's when I got the message. And then um, three three weeks after. So the office had just shut down. We closed for the holidays. Right. We're in a position where we can do that. That's nice. Yeah, it's fun. 
Um, so we were closed for two weeks and then I was still not certain because of other issues. So I was like, you know what? I want to give it at least one more week before I go back. But I was still kind of, and I was slowly making my way back, but I was like, you know what? I've got my computer and the office phone goes to my cell phone. I can do something. And I stood up off the couch and that's when it hit me again. And I went, no. And I sat right back down and I was like, this is all I can do. This is all I can do right now. So... Listen, folks, listen to your body, listen to your doctor, go get tested, go get vaxxed, wear your damn mask. It's logical, folks. Um, so the perfect thing to do while you're sick is to watch a bunch of Star Trek. Binge watch. <laughs> other than uh, other than the uh, Star Trek Enterprise episode, I made forced you, <laughs> like in Clockwork Orange, held your eyelids open. Watch this garbage. Watch it. <laughs> it was rough. What have you What have you been indulging in uh, viewing wise during the pandemic? Oh wow! Okay, so I'm a comic book nerd, so much like yourself. One of so, us. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, so I have watched every CW show, even the god awful Batwoman. Um, really? Flash started off as still probably the best series on there, but it's starting to get a little whiny when the, when the hero starts whining too much, it gets bad. But yeah. I'm so invested, I'm going to watch it. Um, nice. So nice. I've been going through the CW shows. Any comic book movie, I still gotta go see Shang-Chi unfortunately my wife is not into kung fu anything so what yes really I am a child of the I won't lie and say the 80s and <laughs> okay fair enough 77 I didn't come into consciousness until the 80s there we go so I grew up through the kung fu ninja era and so I mm. love martial arts and Bruce Lee and everything about that so yeah. and the cool thing is I was always so pissed off the way the Mandarin was done because much like Doom the Mandarin is an amazing villain yeah and they never did him right. Yeah. So I'm praying that in this movie we get a somewhat good yeah. version. And I mean, we already get to see an actual Fin Fang Foom that's not tattooed on somebody's chest. So right. I'm really happy about that. Yeah. So, so you know, n- nerding out with comic book stuff. Um, have gone through a couple of animes lately, which I, I'm very limited on animes. Yeah. Um, oh, what is it? Uh, High Rise Sniper, I think, on Netflix was really good. Okay. Seven Deadly Sins, I really enjoyed. Cool. Um, that was fun. Um, Kill La Kill. I think I've heard of that. Yeah. Wow. wow. It's tr- trippy, but not safe for work. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> and they make constant comments about, they have very much uh, MMORPG body armor on for uh, okay. the women. So, okay, fair enough. Basically G-strings and, <laughs> and pasties. <laughs> and they make a lot of comments about that. So it is a great show that goes into a weird alien twist, and it's like it's worth the watch. It it, nice. it really is. It was a lot of fun. We a little uh, weird, a little weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of a uh, little weird, the wife and I are watching um, Sense Eight on Netflix, which of course is done by the Wachowskis. Yes. And have you got to the orgy scene? Yes. Yes, we have. Oh, um, that is a hot <clears throat> scene. It's yeah. It's 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 pretty. It's quite steamy uh it's i i'm i'm forming some opinions now i'm reluctant to say until i finish the whole series Mm -hmm. but uh part of the reason i'm working my way through that and you've seen it yeah um and you're also coming on the other show cinema shock yep to discuss the matrix which i've ran through them again i'm happy i'm refreshed right and i've seen things i forgot about but Yes. Oh yeah. It's I I I dig the uh, you know and kind of goes along with anime because that type the Matrix story as a whole right. is so based on Japanese on Japanese storytelling. Clearly. 
um, which always very much an Akira or a uh, oh my goodness, what is Scarlett Johansson just remade it? Oh, uh, Ghost of the Shell. Yes, yes, very much in those kind of spirits. Yes. Oh Thank yeah, you. very much. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brain, I COVID fart. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> it ain't exactly. Ain't a brain fart no more. It's a COVID <laughs> fart. But the um, you know. It always floored me so much that people kind of dug the Japanese vibe to it, but the... spoiler alert: people get so bent out of shape when Neo died. I was like, really? Did you not see this coming? <laughs> like, I, I think I think people got bent out of shape about that. They got bent out of shape that uh, Trinity died. They got bent out of shape that it was kind of it, I don't know. It didn't live up to the first films. Nothing is ever... What, Godfather, the sequel? It, it, yeah, I mean, yeah. Godfather, the sequel. X-Men 2, the sequel. I think we covered the best sequels. I mean, yeah, th- that's about it. That's about it. You you might... I think Superman 2 might get the bronze. Superman 2 is pretty decent. That's with, like, yeah, General yeah. Zod and all them. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, after that, good luck. <laughs> For nostalgia, I'll throw in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. I love that one. Plus, you got Kino. Exactly. <laughs> She's it. It doesn't work on an audio podcast, and you can't see it, but she is doing the dance, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. yes I <laughs> so, okay. Um, other than the amazing things that you've watched during COVID, right? What are your thoughts and feelings? Let's 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 ease our way into this. Are you a big Star Trek fan? Big no fan. Yes. Okay. Uh, now with that. This is the first ever episode of Enterprise I've watched. So oh. there are a lot of things that I've got opinions about. Okay, all right, all right. I never watched Enterprise. The last one I got through, and I never did watch Hardcore, was Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. Okay. Voyager was pretty loyal to. Next yeah. Generation, still my favorite. Of course. Um, the original series, of yeah. course. I mean, how do you, how do you not the original? Did you come to the original series... Like, later, more as an adult, or did you get into it as a kid? They were doing the reruns when I was a child through the 80s. Right. Um, it was lunch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so they were doing them then, so I kind of got into that. And then my dad would take me to see the movies, which kind of helped, you know, got me more involved, even though the movies were always so out of canon of the TV show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then that kind of got me into it, you know, which, I mean, there's those key episodes that everyone is iconic, like Tribbles and the Green Alien. I mean, yes. then, you know, there's always those iconic ones to the, uh, you know, the movie where Spock has to have sex or he dies. I mean, <laughs> yep. there's a plot twist. There you go. <laughs> um, so this was your first experience with Enterprise. Yes. Oh, initial thoughts, right off right off the bat, like... It comes up. What are your thoughts? How's it? How does it go Why for you? Why is this opening this way? <laughs> when did they put a song, not music, <laughs> lyrics, and an awful montage of? It looked like Renegade. It was like a, a oh like man, early nineties Renegade, Lorenzo Lamas style opening. Oh yeah, it was horrible. The song was horrible. I, I just to let you know, you are definitely you. Are continuing the tradition. Every guest I have ever had on this show cannot stand "Faith of the Heart." <laughs> they I, can't stand that song. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I started play. I walked, went to the bathroom. I heard something. I came back, start the episode over, and went, "Huh?" <laughs> and I saw all the different ships named Enterprise, and I'm like, "Well, where's the car come?" So, I mean, they just—it was just so. Oh, there man. was no. Da, 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 da. There was none of that. Yeah. 
even the next generation had that same yeah doctor who this a little bit come on yeah i mean (laughs) nice even the sarah jane chronicles have a similar cadence in the startup yeah torchwood had a similar cadence in the intro a little bit yeah um yeah it's it's kind of i I think in the later seat uh the later seasons of enterprise um I have to think because of the fan backlash, they drop the they drop the lyrics and it's just the music over the images, which the images I'm okay with, especially for what they're going for of this like cuz I mean, uh the ship is still very much structured like a submarine. So it's still very uh you know, aesthetically very much like a submarine. Uh so this is clearly hey, we're just we are clearly iron manning this thing. We don't we right. you know, we are running before we can crawl. I can, I can appreciate the mentality they came from. It yeah. was just the execution. Right. Somebody yeah. should have sat back and said, no, we need to be a little more pure to the original. Yeah. I think, I think, and I mean, this is nothing Truth that hasn't original. been discussed um, at great lengths on this show. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of, it's clear that the production team got the green light with, with no stop signs. They're just kind of like, okay. hey, it's, hey, uh, Voyager's coming to an end. The, the casting showed that also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, how do you sell, how do you sell a, a new series on a story that is a hard sell anyway? Because pre-Kirk, because Discovery wasn't around yet. So it was, Kirk was the beginning. The Cage was the very first episode with Captain Pike, and then we get into Captain Kirk. That's it. There was nothing prior to that at the, at the time that they made this. So to tell the story before the story is always a tricky thing to do because it's like Fear the Walking Dead. Now, I'm I'm gonna get hate for this, and at this point I don't really care. But had they introduced Fear the Walking Dead between seasons one and two instead of after season five, like, I would have cared more. It clearly felt more like they were just, ooh, dollar signs. Yes. Cue Mr. Krabs and money, 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 money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So I mean, it's clear that they kind of got they kind of got the green light with no with little to no input from any sort of hey, f- just keep just keep milking the cash cow. Yeah, let's keep this running for CBS um, or I guess technically for UPN. Uh, but yeah, so this episode in particular uh, to get dropped in on this episode in particular is <laughs> tricky. Because the big, the big name of the episode is hardly in it. Like Scott Bakula plays second fiddle to Connor Trenier as Trip Tucker on an on a planet with another person who does not speak English. So at best, you're getting I, one I have character. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. UPN Wednesday. Mayday! Mayday! I'm losing power! Shipwrecked on a hostile moon. The temperature can rise to 170 degrees. Two enemies fight to survive. I need to get back to my ship. Can't Enterprise mount a rescue in time? Last known position. I detected weapons fire. Trip is testing the new autopilot technology on a space bus. His craft is approached and fired upon by an Arconian ship. With the main systems damaged and central power lost, he is forced to crash land on one of the system's many moons. 
On the moon, Trip survives the crash and tries to repair the communication systems. He realizes you are not alone. and is ambushed by the Arconian pilot. After taking turns, taking each other prisoner, a truce occurs as they both realize that surviving is their main goal. Meanwhile, having lost contact with the space bus, Enterprise commences a search of the area. They are soon intercepted by a large ship belonging to the Arconians, who claim this region as their own. The Arconians are territorial and aggressive and have their own strained history with the Vulcans. While they demand that Enterprise immediately set course out of their system, their captain is reluctantly persuaded by Archer to agree to a combined search of the 62 moons. Meanwhile, Trip gets his charger and uses the USB port from the other ship to charge his phone and contact Enterprise. To complicate matters, the sun is slowly rising, and so is the temperature, to lethal levels. It's getting hot in here! So Moreover, since the moon's atmosphere interferes with the space bus's power systems, Enterprise will have to beam the survivors up. The Arconian, Sokan, is in too much physical distress to survive transport, and Trip refuses to abandon him. Archer then has the Arconians launch a space bus modified to function in the moon's atmosphere. Later, with the crew back on board, Zokan tells Trip that he is thankful he failed to shoot down Trip's pod. I think you should kiss me goodbye or you might regret it for the rest of your life. T'Pol concedes that the rescue has allowed for friendlier and more productive relations with the Arconians in one day than the Vulcans managed in over a hundred years. Yeah, right. So, before we dive into... <laughs> Uh, for you, I imagine a train wreck of an episode. Um, you do a lot of traveling, um, with your wife yeah. on, um, on motorcycles, which let me just go ahead and say, <laughs> I'm super jealous of. I've Thank always you. wanted one. Have you ever gotten stranded anywhere? Has something happened and you wound up like middle, you know, yeah. middle, middle of nowhere? Uh, actually the vacation I was talking about last, this year. Yeah. We, uh. Her bike, and we knew the problem. I had the replacement part, but yeah. didn't. it was a throttle cable. Who would have thought it was frayed, but it's still cable. I figured I had some more time before I had to replace it. Yeah. The roads to Savannah are a little bumpy, and <laughs> yep. we were driving, and suddenly her hand just dropped, and she's like, uh-oh. Oh. So we pulled over on the side of the road. The throttle cable broke where the fray was yeah. inside the grip. So uh. we pull over. Um, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're 10 miles to the next town. Yeah. Um, it's not that we can't go anywhere. We can. She can get on my bike. Mine has two seats, even though I had a bag on there blocking it. But yeah. we, we could have made it work uncomfortably, but would have worked. But what do we do with her bike? And so we That's had to not, wait. Harley, is it a Harley? No, it's a Honda. Honda. Honda Shadow. They make a good Looks bike. Like, yeah. Bike runs like a dream. It's just that one little part. So we end up getting it towed. By the way, get the AAA insurance. It's worth it for motorcycles. Nice. It, it costs you an extra 200 to tow a bike on. Nice. It really does. Cool. Um, so after sitting in the middle of nowhere on a two-lane road where trucks are doing 70 with a shoulder that's only four foot wide that drops straight off into oh. the swamps that are on both sides of the highway. Oh. And yes, we have pictures of the gators around us. That part we like. We like alligators and reptiles. And yeah. So we're having fun with that, but it was more the trucks doing 70 by this as I'm laying on my bike, sprawled out with a little mini keychain strobe light, like, please don't, please don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So Wait, middle of the night? Middle of the night. We broke down at 6 o'clock. We didn't get to Savannah. Tybee's where we were going for our first stop. Yeah. We didn't get there until 10 o'clock. So it was a four-hour delay. Oh, my God. 
Um, it was sunlight when it broke, and it was almost midnight when we got there. So. But the truck driver, when he got there, awesome guy, hooked us up. I can't remember who we called to tow. I'd love to give him a shout out. But he kept up with me getting to the hotel. He, <laughs> we, we were rolling. So I was very, nice. they were great. They took good care of the bike. Mother-in-law brought the part down to us the next day. So Cool. Yeah. Well, so it, cool. it was cool. We had fun. Uh, my family, when I was 12 years old, uh, did a martial arts tournament out in Vegas. And uh, we thought, you know what, we're going to, uh, we're going to, you know, take in the sights. Uh, this is day before or day after the tournament. It doesn't matter. But, you know, Vegas right there at... at I see uh, where you're going with this, our correlation here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this connection. Vegas is right there at Hoover Dam. We're like, uh-huh. oh, let's just drive to Hoover Dam. Historical Hoover Dam. On the way there, there's uh, there's the lake. I forget. Oh, what's the name of the lake? I forget the name of the lake. It's not I, I don't know what you're talking about. But gorgeous desert landscape. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And my mom, hey, you know what? Pull over. Let's get out and get some uh, get some photos and take a little video of the scenery and the whole thing. Right. We've never been out here. Let's you know let's live it up a little bit. Hey, while we're out, let's leave the AC and the engine running. That way, when we're done taking pictures, we'll get right back into the nice, cool car. Sounds great. We all hop out. Uh, hats, sunglasses, sunscreen. No, we're just gonna take some pictures real quick. Okay, hop out. We're doing the thing. Dad's videoing, you know, getting the amazing landscape. And just as the video is fading out, you see you see my mom go, uh, Walt, and the video cuts off. The next words out of her mouth were, the doors are locked. And we didn't realize our rent- rental car, when you leave the engine running, the doors lock. So here we are in the middle of the desert, our water, our hats, our sunglasses, our sunscreen, everything in there. And of course, we're we're in the middle of nowhere. People coming either from New Mexico or from LA are passing us on their way to Vegas uh-huh. and nobody's going to stop. Nope. And we were out there for a long time, middle of the day, so there's no shade anywhere. <laughs> I was getting a lot of flashbacks of that watching this episode. Oh, yeah. I could um, went to, been to Vegas about four times, Hoover down three of those, and there was just one occurrence where you could park in the parking lot and walk across. Yeah. We were dehydrated by the time we got across the bridge. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't realize how hot it is it out there. So I can appreciate hot. that. Yeah. Um, so take me through, take me through <laughs> this, because... It didn't dawn on me to tell you, like, oh, you may want to watch the pilot episode, and you may want to watch, like, this other thing to sort of get acquainted with these characters. I was just like, oh, here we are, here's the episode, go. Well, no, I think this was the right way, because if you watch it on broadcast TV, like most of us jumped into any series. Right. You had to remember that the show was on to watch it chronologically, and as kids or teenagers, we got what we got. Yep. So I remember watching The Next Generation way out of order. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In syndication Um, on Fox 21? (laughs) That was some of them. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I know I've seen every episode of the original and Next Generation and Voyager. Nice. But I don't know which order they got. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So. Well, stay tuned to this podcast that you you don't listen to. So, uh, yeah, the first thing I noticed on this was like, oh, they ran out of story. So they recycled. The first words out of my mouth were, is that a Gorn? <laughs> no, he just looks like one. Okay. He just looks and like he's, one, yeah. He's having Tourette's, okay. He's got a weird little tick. 
Yeah. Oh, I hear the I hear them speaking now. Cool. Dharma congelada tanagra. Dharma congelada tanagra. Dharma congelada tanagra. Six years from now, you will wake up in a cold sweat, <laughs> repeating those words. Pam will be like, "What the hell's wrong yeah, with you?" But when Picard did it, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> it was moving and inspiring. This was the bad B movie version of it. Yeah. Um. And the more Trip talked, the more I understood why he just crawled away into that bush. He wasn't trying to hide from the sun. He was trying to get away from Trip's voice. <laughs> he sounds like Cary Grant's having a stroke. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, I, I've mentioned before. I don't buy. I don't buy his southern charm thing. I, 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 I'm really curious to know if that was a writing decision or if that was a performance decision. If that's something he brought to the character or they're just like, hey, he's from the South and likes catfish. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, but this is, this is like Scott Bakula's country accent in NCIS. <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn nothing from Connor Turnier? I mean, the, the most believable thing I've ever seen Scott Bakula cast in that made me realize, oh, yeah, I believe this was Quantum Leap, okay? Yeah. And that's saying something. Yeah. Because he was more believable playing an old black woman in the 60s than he was playing a space captain. Okay? You heard it here first, future. folks. <laughs> Nobody plays a black woman quite like Scott Bakula. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, this is kind of one of those, uh, well... So this is, to me, a version of a bottle episode where you take, you know, a minimal section of the cast, you stick them in one location, give them one task to do, and let it unfold. Yep. And honestly, some of uh, some of my favorite stories in the past, uh, we'll call it 10 years or so, uh, have been similarly structured. I am legend. Will Smith is by himself for the bulk of that movie. Yeah. The first like half hour of Wally, there's no dialogue at all. You're just watching this little robot do his thing. But with this, I think, I don't know, it comes across as inauthentic. And I mean, to let something like this play out over roughly 45 minutes is hard to watch. Painful. Yeah, yeah. Th this is one of those things where it's, there's been numerous movies out there we've seen, uh, Iron Man 2. Yeah. Okay. All the potential to be absolutely amazing, but it was kind of garbage. I mean, it wasn't, I'm not going to say it was a bad movie, but in comparison to one and every other MCU movie, yeah. it was kind of crap. Yeah. And that falls more on what the vision of the director was. I mean, even when we say it was bad acting, sometimes it's the limits of the actor, but it's also what that director takes. On the part of Robert Downey Jr. or on the part of uh, Mickey, uh, Mickey Rourke? In that movie, yes. Both. Both. Really? I mean, Robert Downey was perfect Tony Stark. I mean, yeah, I know we're kind of sidetracking here. But sure. Ads, listen, <laughs> this show is only kind of about Star Trek. So, so well, it's still technology. Yeah. But, so, yeah, that was kind of the same thing. Like Robert Downey nails it, but again, we get back into the whining, reluctant hero. Reluctant hero. Uh, and while, I, okay. granted, I understand and I appreciate the flaws that Marvel brings to the hero. Sure. Sometimes you just want a badass. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, and I think... Um, that's why, actually, I'm looking forward to the She-Hulk. Because too. she's one of the few that were, Hi, I'm a superhero. Yeah. Watch what I can do. That's going to be interesting. a public figure. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see what she does. Yeah. Uh, you know, once Endgame came and went, it, I think the the fan community at large was kind Because I don't think the fan community had felt this way since 
the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Because everybody was kind of on pins and needles about Guardians of the Galaxy. It was like, is this going to be good? They felt the same way about Thor, which is the The first one was The first one. Yeah. Yeah. But Thor was kind of like, all right. And then they did did well. And then Guardians of the Galaxy came along and was like, I don't know. This may not work. When it did and worked really well, I think everybody was kind of like, okay, Marvel can do no wrong. Which they... And right now, I still kind of live that. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, when they do a bad movie, it's still great. Yeah, it's still still pretty good. Um, But now that Endgame has come and gone, and we're, of course, you know, uh, the listeners have heard us mention uh, Shang-Chi a couple times. Um, At this point, they're kind of, all right, so what's the next big thing? Because we're all kind of like, all right, so you've completed your saga. Congratulations. You've broken every record imaginable. You made all of the money. You you are Disney is printing money. You made every bit of my nineteen ninety one come to real life, and I love that. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, we've gotten way off track here, yeah. but like, <laughs> so all that to say, getting back to the performances, um, you know, maybe this is something that was ill advised at this point, or maybe ill-advised with this particular character. I think it might have been better to see maybe someone else from the crew, perhaps Travis Mayweather, to see the helmsman, um, which would have been cool to see an African-American officer at the center of this episode. Especially, I mean, being the history that Star Trek brought. Yeah. On-screen interracial kiss. That was huge in the 60s. Yes, very much. And being that this is an originating tale, that could have been a great way. And one of the best things Star Trek has done is shown that beautiful integration of quality and caringness. And I mean, they're even vegan for the most part. I mean, it's kind of yeah. not my thing, but whatever. You get the idea. Sure. So that would have been a great thing to do. And this was, God, when did it come out? 2002? 2002. Yeah. So, Two yeah, weeks tw- after 9-11. Yeah. So 20 years ago would have been a perfect time to have been a little soothsaying had they done things better. Yeah. But focusing on those key characters that are different. Yeah. And that their difference isn't evil. Right. You know, that's always the subject matter. I mean, CW's a little guilty right now of shoving everything in their face. It's like, oh, what's the current event this week? Let's write a story about it. Right. And it's a little, it's again back to pandering. And, yeah. and I'm saying this knowing that there's a trans superhero that they had to make sure they go, hi, I'm trans. Did you know I'm trans? Look, I'm trans. <laughs> and I thank you for the representation, but it's also like, just move on. It did, it, right. it, they, it did flow well in her story, but some of the others have been very much like, oh, and then, oh, and over here there's race inequality. Let's talk about that now instead of the superhero fight. I get it. Right. It needs to happen, but it's not. they're not writing it right. Yeah, that's always one of those things that is, um, for me... Um, disappointing. Right. Just, I, I mean, I, there's a lot of different uh, things. Because my initial thought, my initial thought was eye roll inducing. And I feel like that gives the wrong impression. But it's right. But I think it's right. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of like, there was so many better ways, so, so many better ways you could have done this. And this is the, this is the route you took to, to tell this story. Like really? I, it's the, good. The problem, and I'm learning this now, especially 20 years later when we're starting to see things a little more clearly, mm-hmm. Killmonger. Uh, At what point did you decide he was the villain? That's interesting. That's when it was kill the kids? Because before that, it was kind of see where he's going with this. I yeah. understand how we got here. 
then it becomes, oh, okay, there's the broken person. Okay, let's move on now. Yep. It, it took a grievous act. Uh, Anakin Skywalker. They didn't really go evil until the Order came through. Yeah. When he went to the temple. Yep. That, when the younglings were involved, that was the, it wasn't, yeah. oh, we betrayed people. God, that's politics now. Yeah. It was the kids. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting because there's, there's a thought, and I think you'll understand this, uh, being the big comic book fan that you are. Um, there's a discussion I had with my wife, um, over brunch. We do a comic book brunch thing every, every week where we <laughs> discuss the comic that we've read that week and we have brunch together and talk about nice. it. Nice. It's a lot of fun. We recently read a book um, called American Carnage, and it's about a young uh, African American. I, I believe the I believe the verbiage is white passing African American, okay. who a uh, former FBI agent gets sent in undercover with a white supremacist group um, to seek to obviously to take down that group, but also the agent that sends him in. She lost a partner to that group. So there's another different motivation the there. Yeah. So it's kind of like Black Klansman with a twist. A little bit, yeah. Nice, nice. And at one point, the the main, the big bad of the whole story lays out his entire his entire thought process. His whole his whole mantra in a in a slightly expanded nutshell. Right. And knowing that the best villains are the ones you can agree with and see their side. Uh-huh. Um, Magneto comes to mind. Thanos. Thanos. In the, in the cinematic com- universe. Yeah, in the, in the comics, it was like, I'm going to make Mr. Steph happy. In the cinematic, it's like, he's got the right idea, but he's going about it the wrong way. Right. Yeah. This guy in this book puts those puts those to shame. His, his thought process is so... If you... If your thought process is flawed, because his whole the whole beginning of his train of thought is um, that white Americans believe that minorities are going to steal, ruin, destroy their idyllic family. Right. If you buy into that, the rest of his the rest of his diatribe makes eerie. Se- it's it, it right. is scary you how follow, much. You yeah, how I was like, oh my god, and. Someone, I, I was listening to another, um, uh, someone was uh, giving a little uh, speech about character development and writing and this, that, and the other thing. And they said, a good villain thinks he's right. Great villain is right. And it made it made some of those things come into focus of when I started analyzing American Carnage, I realized they never said why he's wrong. They never, they never gave the opposing, it was always just assumed. And I was like, this is really dangerous. This is really dangerous Uh to present this one side and not, and to assume everybody's against them. You're right. No, especially us living in the South, we get to hear some of these ignorant things. Oh yeah. 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 As, you know, as comedians who comment on the thing, on everything, we're professional complainers. Yeah. (laughs) I've always said I'm a professional smart ass. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) But when you see, we're always we're always looking for the flip side of the coin. Yeah. We're always looking to analyze. Okay, we're always playing devil's advocate. Yeah. Of okay, what's the other side? And when I didn't see it, I was like, oh no! I, I, and trust me, I've been reading comics a long time, and I don't think comic book fans are dummies. But not everyone's a genius either, and stuff like that's <laughs> scary. 
Facebook's proven that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw, hey, no joke, I saw some uh, tinfoil flying down the, the highway coming here, come to work yesterday. Yeah. And the first thought was, oh, we converted another QAnon member. And, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, not, not everybody's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not everybody's, uh, you know, super critical thinking. We tend to react emotionally to these things. Which is why the Vulcans had such a hard time trusting humanity with warp with warp engines. Yep. <laughs> oh, so that brings me to my other point of <laughs> of another character who would have been interesting to see in this role is to Paul. Yeah, who's very logical, who's very calm, who's very um, cool, calm, collected at all times because she's a Vulcan. Right, dealing with this species who already doesn't like Vulcans and seeing. That species knows Vulcans, but there isn't a great relationship there. Um, So it would have been interesting to see her struggle to communicate and struggle to, you know, to complete the task at hand. Rather than this southern chaw-chewing guy who, hey man, come on, let's, let's, listen, I'm not here to hurt you now, type thing, which just comes, which just comes across as inauthentic. It, it really did, and honestly, that would have been the better because there was a hatred between the races. Mm. That would have added in that beautiful tale of, oh, here, two races, hating yeah. each other, finding out they're not so different after all. Right. T- uh, tells all this time, instead of taking half of that story with <laughs> and putting <laughs> yeah. the Gorn in there with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh my god. So, yeah, no, that would have been the thing. It would have been a great analogy because, honestly, the only thing Trip needed on the other side of him was a black man with that voice. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe the helmsman should have came out there with him, but but it would have needed to be Trip with him. That would have been more believable for the two people that don't like each other. Yeah, and I think if they wanted to lean lean into stereotypes, they could have sent Reed, uh, who's not an engineer, he's not a pilot, but again, his demeanor juxtaposed with this alien race would have been interesting to see him work through that problem yeah but what other because i see you've brought i, I you, had some notes, some kinda, notes. <laughs> i kind of went through a few things i mean but most of it i've kind of already covered my most extremes okay that and trip monologues like a bitch <laughs> <laughs> beyond that that was my last note sorry like a bitch Oh, that's 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 a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt slogan. We're, you'll look for it in our shop, the shop we don't have yet. Oh my God! Well, um, so as I ask with every episode, who do we blame? Uh, this episode was written by John Shaban, whose uh, last episode was season two, episode three, Minefield, which is actually a pretty dope episode. I think you'd like it. Um, Enterprise just kind of finds themselves finds themselves in a uh, in a minefield. One of them attaches to the hull. They're all cloaked. So, and Travis Mayweather, the helmsman, actually has to manually pilot the ship out of the minefield. That's why Travis is one of my favorite characters, because he's a badass. Like, anybody who can do that, and they're like, why don't you take a break? He's like, I got this. <laughs> like, that's a badass. Yeah. <laughs> um, this episode was directed by Roxanne Dawson, a.k.a. Milana Torres from Star Trek Voyager. Uh, her last episode directing was uh, season two, episode four, Dead Stop, which is actually the sequel to Minefield. So I would, if you're if you're at all interested in continuing with Enterprise, <laughs> you can look forward to some episodes. Those episodes, those are really good. Um, 
And the guest stars are uh, pretty slim. We pretty much just have the one. It's uh, Mr. Greg Henry, who plays Zokan. He actually has a really interesting uh, career, and I'll just hit some of the highlights here. He got his start as a series regular on Rich Man, Poor Man, book two in the 1970s. And his first big break in film was with a little-known crime drama called Scarface in 1983. Uh, and he would continue to work with Brian De Palma um, on Brian De Palma projects like Body Double in 84, Casualties of War in 89, Raising Cain in 92, Femme Fatale in 2002, starring Rebecca Romaine. And yeah. Uh, if, yeah, <laughs> if there's any fans of Rebecca Romaine who have not seen Femme Fatale, mm. do yourself a favor. Um, watch it by yourself. Close the door. Turn off the lights. <laughs> yeah, you didn't warn me about that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, you for recommending it. Oh yes, bound. Oh, we'll we'll dis- we'll dis- we'll discuss the further work of the Wachowskis after 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 Ooh. we wrap up here. Um, oh, and he also worked in uh, Black Dahlia in two thousand six. But between Raising Cain and Femme Fatale, he played Gallatin in Star Trek Insurrection nineteen ninety eight, which was directed by Jonathan Frakes, and Gal. I'm gonna try this. <laughs> Galna in the video game Star Trek Hidden Evil in 1999. And we will discuss the rest of his career when we talk about him again on this show. So, uh, do you have any final thoughts about this episode and your first step into this frontier, (laughs) into this freaky (laughs) frontier (laughs) that is Star Trek Enterprise? Um, I'm thinking the pandemic should have hit around that time frame. (laughs) Everybody stay at home. We're going through this together. We're all in this together. Um, I, I feel like we'd have rioted a lot sooner had they put this on. Had oh this aired God. in 2020. Yeah, um, yeah. Some of the things, some of the, some of the content, some of the themes are not handled as well as they probably should be. Uh, themes that are definitely handled differently now that the Star Trek writers' room is and production crew is as diverse as it is now and uh some i mean as you know this being one of the quote-unquote newer series it's still 20 years old like things people still were not it's still weird to think that oh this is 20 years old and people were still idiots back then too like yeah uh, yeah we had a long way to go the writer's room it's a bunch of white dudes and I'm thinking board members because I don't think any of them were uh, tech nerds to understand half of what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a wonder uh, trip on the... I've always... <laughs> I think they were just shy of having him with like an old red toolbox with like a ball peen hammer and a roll of duct tape. <laughs> like, all right, let me fix the... Let me fix the warp core. Hang on uh, one second. I was second. trying to figure out how we got a warp core, but he walks outside with a traditional incandescent mag light. Exactly. Ain't even got LEDs on the thing. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's like in that in this age, you have a starship. You have things that float now is how you propel yourself. Yeah. You walk outside with a mag light. It's like, shouldn't you be able to crack a beam and it's suddenly daylight outside? I yeah. mean, seriously, that, that technology should exist at that point. It's why did okay knowing knowing that Connor Connor Trip uh, was taking the shuttle into this sixty plus field of moons. 
why did you not follow him? Why are you not tracking him? How do you how do you lose your guy? Like you could for Scott the Bacula. Yeah. For the <laughs> He got lost sliding through time. <laughs> we had <laughs> we had uh who who was it that uh, somebody came on the show and was just like I'm picturing Enterprise as just another episode of Quantum Leap of like His how per- long do I have to be in this body? 4 years? You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> His career is so much better if you picture everything he's done as extensions of quantum leap. Exactly. That is the God's honest truth. Yeah, because there's no... NCIS, him, really? Yep. No, come on. <laughs> but if it's quantum leap... But if it's quantum leap, it's just a really long episode of quantum right. leap. Yeah, it's, you know, the the flaws of the character of Jonathan Archer. Like, he's a pilot. He's a stick jockey. Not your diplomatic representative. Like, no, no. That's such a bad idea. <laughs> You're not going to put a gas station attendant behind the wheel of an ass car. It's not, that's not a good idea. <laughs> you, well. In the South? Yeah, in the yeah, South, that maybe. Friday night. That's true. Okay. Yeah, my, my analogy was flawed to begin with. Oh my God. Well, next week we will be joined by cosplayer extraordinaire and peanut hamper builder, Mr. Andy Holt for Enterprise Season 2, Episode 14, Stigma, which is available on Hulu, Amazon Prime, and of course on Paramount+. Plus. Robin, what do you have going on in your life that people can follow and support? Alright, so I have my website, which usually keeps everybody up to date most of the time, robinscottcomedy.com. Uh, that's Robin with a Y. Why? Because why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this is the place for it. Exactly. Uh, podcasts are for places. Yeah. Um, also, you can find me on social, Facebook. I quit doing the comedy page thing. Just follow my personal account. If I run out my friends list, just click follow. I still post a lot of funny, stupid things all day. Robin with a Y, Scott. If you want to find me directly, Robin Casey Scott. That is R-O-B-Y-N-C-A-C-E-E-S-C-O-T-T. And then finally, uh, I run a room in Anderson, South Carolina, every week at Doolittle's. Uh, it's an open mic every Tuesday night. Uh, we start opening doors and everything at 7 o'clock. show usually gets going at 7.30, so that's when we say 7, so everybody will quit coming late. Um, we have a book feature every week. Matter of fact, this week we've got comedian Donovan Stroud coming out of Columbia. And then we're about Donovan, to, yeah. yeah. Donovan, uh, we've actually had a lot of great local comics coming out and traveling. I've got a great November lined up and October lined up so far. Um, so, of course, follow us on Electric City Comedy. Uh, we try to do a website, but I just wasn't going to pay GoDaddy that much money every month. <laughs> I already pay for my website. I can't pay for other. Um, but we've got that going on. If you're around the country and want to see me, uh, next time I know I'm out of town performing, it's going to be the Chris Catan show. And I'm working on trying to get myself back out to the East Coast, so, West Coast, or back out to the West Coast some. So hopefully over this next year, 2022, I will be traveling a lot more and I can actually start expanding my horizons. Wonderful. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in 10 forward.
Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcast at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. Our outro music was provided with permission by Drone Node. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And I'm Cat Davis at that.darn.cat with a K on Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods and we're gonna find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?